Hello and welcome back to The Shower Show. I am your host, Brett Shower. Today I sat down with Baylor Griffin. He is a local musician. I'll let him introduce himself. He's lived all over Oklahoma, Colorado, and finally Ohio. He's got quite an interesting story and I think you're going to like it. But before we get started, make sure to be listening for the final details about my giveaway with the Goon Brothers. It ends today. With that, we can get into this conversation with Baylor Griffin. A listener or talker? Uh, I try to be a listener, but I'm probably a talker. An extrovert or introvert? I'm I'm pretty introverted. I I have I have fun around people, um, and I want to be around people, but uh, when I get home, I'm I'm pretty tired, and I want to just like read a book. Same though. <laughs> <laughs> um, books or films? Probably books. I spend more time reading than I spend doing a lot of other things. What have you read recently? Right now, I'm reading um, a J.R.R. Tolkien biography. Okay. Written by. Oh, I forget the guy's last name, like Humphrey or something. Last name Humphrey. Did I you think. did you ever um, see that movie that came out about him? Like Actually, I didn't, okay. and that's case in point, right? So, <laughs> <laughs> um, if it's not a Marvel movie, I'm like okay. probably not super excited about it. I know that that's so stereotypical. <laughs> that's like very cliche, but um, but no, I I mean I've had a, I've had a couple of people recommend it to me that they say yeah, it's pretty good. It's yeah, I actually really enjoy it, and I think it's like top two of my favorite movies. No um, kidding. Yeah, but the thing with it is that a lot of people were bashing it because it didn't like really follow his life, and I don't know. I I haven't really read much about his life, so I can't really say, but it was a good movie other than that. Well, the thing that's interesting about Tolkien's life is that it was boring, and that's Mm. actually what's interesting. It's like the guy didn't need to like travel that much, and like he didn't need to go to beautiful places because his mind was so... Yeah, I, and I also can't imagine like creating like another language as well. Like, yeah, that's yeah, that's kind of foreign. That's work. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I think he created the language first, right? Yeah. So it, I think that's what I, if I remember correctly, that's what I just read, where he created the language first, and then he was like, "I need a people <laughs> that's that. I need a world that speaks this, you know," and and uh, started to craft. Yeah, and then the you, you need there. a story that goes with that as well. Oh, for yeah. sure. Isn't that interesting? Yeah, it's it's just crazy that there are people out there like that and they yeah. can do that. Because like, yeah. that's not me at all. Something on your bucket list that you haven't done. I want to go to um, Iceland and see the Northern Lights. Same though. Really? I want to go to Iceland yeah. really bad. Yeah, um, I've wanted to go since I was a kid. There's a surf photographer named Chris Bricard. Mm-hmm. that I've followed since I was probably 13 or 14 when I got a hold of a surf magazine. I don't even surf. I don't even know how I got a hold of that magazine. I really don't. But the thing that he does that's unique is he goes to cold places oh, and okay. takes pictures of surfers in these like horrible conditions. And that means that he also sees things like the Northern Lights. And he's a big fan of Iceland. And so... Well, I fell in love with it after I like watched a TikTok and it was just like, it was absolutely yeah. stunning. Oh, it's beautiful, And I, man. I like like um, colder climates. I'm not like a person that would probably, I'd rather go to the beach than, or the mountains over the beach. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like that way. Well, I lived in Colorado for a while. Oh, you did? And, yeah, I did. Oh, so, wow. Okay. Yeah. You've been all over. Man. I have. Yeah. I've, I've lived an, an interesting life. Okay. I, I think, <laughs> at least it's interesting to me. It's probably not in, that interesting to other people, but... I think if you've lived anywhere outside of Ohio, you have an interesting life. <laughs> I don't know I about that. Say that. I mean, the thing is, is that so far out of all the, like I've lived in Oklahoma. That's where I grew up. Mm-hmm. Tulsa, Oklahoma, which is an incredibly boring place to live. 
But the thing that I like about it is that because it's boring, you kind of have to be creative mm. in order to have fun. Right. And so you churn out a lot of really smart, really creative people out of places like Tulsa, Oklahoma, where there's not that much to do. It's gotten cooler, though. But then I moved to Colorado, and like everybody's entire life centers around like health and hiking. And I'm not really that guy, but it was pretty. I yeah, I would, I would so love to go there for the hiking. That's I love hiking. Yeah, man. Um, morning or evening person? Uh, I'm kind of a morning person, if I'm quite honest with you. There's something about like the sunrise I'm, and like a cup of coffee that just like it does things to my soul. I'm into it. I wish I was that way, but I am <laughs> the opposite. All right. For, okay. So for the final intro question, um, yeah. jazz or no jazz? <laughs> what do you mean by that? <laughs> do you like jazz or do you not like jazz? Um, I... I like the idea of <laughs> jazz, but I don't actually listen to it, <laughs> okay. if that's what you're asking. I'm going to just go ahead and admit something. I hate jazz <laughs> with a passion. I like, here's what I mean. I like the concept. I like, I like the fact that you invent rules to break them in music. Like okay. the music theory is like pretty complex. And so I'm happy to read about jazz, but... You will never, ever catch me just casually listening to it in a million years. It's just not my go-to. Did you study music then? No. Okay. No. But have you, I mean, have you went in depth on like any music really? I've, I've gone depth like, like in some ways. I, I, I know my chords, I guess. I, I know fundamental music theory for the most part. But the thing is, is that I can't read music. No matter how many times I try. Mm. Like I like the, the whole notes on the page thing. I just can't lock it down in my brain. I've tried for years, but my I just can't do it. My brain doesn't work that way. Um, so like, yeah. like you're talking about just like like pages of music. Yeah. So when you're looking at like piano music and it's got like, I guess like the staff or whatever that has a bunch of lines on it, and then you see the little like quarter notes and eighth notes and stuff. I don't. I, that does not. Like if we're at church and we're singing out of a hymnal, right? Mm -hmm, yeah. And you see the notes on the page. Right. That does nothing for me. That's crazy. I, I have no clue what's going on. But but by the time we get around to like the second melody, I know exactly. Like by the time you come around, right? right. You do the yeah. verse, you do the chorus part, whatever, and then you come back to the second verse. Right. By then, I get it. I know how it goes. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? That's so um, interesting. Isn't that weird? So I um, actually played piano for like 10 years. Yeah. Um, played... Do you read? Yeah, I do. I don't read. <laughs> I mean... It's been a little while, so, but yeah, I mean, I guess I could read if I wanted to, yes. Sure. One thing I always struggled though with, like, I could always read music, but like, if I was to like pick up a hymnal or something, right? Yeah. And see a note, I could never hum it or like pick out where that is, even oh, though sure. I've been playing it for years. Yeah, I get that. I Can get you that. do that? Uh, I have relative pitch. And okay. so, and so if, when I start singing a song just randomly, even if I haven't listened to it in a while, if I just start singing it. It, it's somewhat likely that, that if you turned the song on in the middle of me singing it, I would probably be close to that key, you know, maybe a little bit off. And so I kind of have like relative pitch, you know what I mean? Mm. But like, like for instance, like in band, in high, I was in band, I did percussion in high school. What I would do is, is I would always fail sight reading because I just couldn't read it, you know? All the sight reading stuff, I couldn't do it. When we would get a piece of music and we had like time to practice, 
instead of reading the music, I would just go home and listen to it. And I, I would memorize all the parts just by listening oh, wow. to it. And then the next day, come back in, and I knew the song. I knew it better than most of the people there that were reading, you know. I don't, I don't say that braggadociously. It's right, just, right. Yeah. It's just, I, I actually say so, it a little bit to my own, <laughs> you know, condemnation right. of like if, if my life would probably have been a lot easier if I would have just figured it out. So but I'm, I'm still like, so you, <laughs> <laughs> like you can't read like what it said, like, like it doesn't make sense to you or something? I don't or? get it. Like it doesn't, it just doesn't click. I think it's, I think it's overwhelming and it's not, it's not how my brain works. My brain kind of works in numbers a little bit better. You know what I mean? Okay. So if you tell me to play like a D major, add nine, I know what that is. Yeah. And, that, and that's where I blank him. I'm like, I have no idea what that is, but <laughs> that's just because I've never learned that. That's so, great. I mean, I should know so much fun, is, dude. But Look at us complimenting each other. Real quickly, going to interrupt this conversation one final time to tell you about my giveaway with the Green Brothers. If you haven't heard of them, they are a nonprofit organization working to inspire unity and generosity in communities through giving. They've come up with some extremely creative ways to do this, so make sure to go check them out. I will have everything linked in the description. As a way to say thank you for supporting both myself and the Green Brothers, we are doing a cash giveaway. If you need a quick update on the rules, here's how it works. First, follow The Shower Show and the Green Brothers on Instagram. We released four episodes in the month of January. This is the final episode. Each episode, I'm giving away four random words from a quote. At the end of January, you'll have a complete sentence, albeit scrambled. First and second person to message the Green Brothers with the completed quote will win $50 and $25 respectively. Any other person to send them the completed quote will be entered to win $20. And I'm actually going to make it really easy for you. Today, I'm giving you the first eight words that I ever give away. So all you have to do is go back and listen to my previous episode with Sip Coffee Company and you have all the words. All right, ready? The first eight words are the greatness of a compassionate is most of. The final four that you need are accurately, it's community and actions well good luck and we are ready to get back into this conversation with baylor griffin to get us started give us a quick background your name and a little bit about what you do yeah so my name is baylor griffin i'm a singer songwriter um i have been writing songs for 10 15 years but mostly been playing as a musician for other artists uh, different tours helping buddies out on their own records but Last year was the first year where I actually released my own music. I released a single called Garment of Praise. Uh, I released it March of 2021. Yeah, it was last year, so 2021. Yeah, so that's what I do. Now, I I have a wife. Uh, She's beautiful. We've been married for four years now, and so I think this August we will have been married five years, and last year we also had a baby. Um, And so I have a daughter. She's extremely cute. She's nine months old now. And uh, as far as my real job is concerned, I actually work at Chick-fil-A. Um, yeah, so I work at Chick-fil-A. I, I, I help oversee some of the hiring processes for like the Benchwood location and the Huber Heights location. And so in terms of where my money comes from, that's, that's what I do. <laughs> but, but yeah, I, I consider that my second job. Mostly, mostly what I do is related to music nowadays. So, and so I've got to ask your name. Like your name is actually Baylor Griffin. It is. That is my real name. I was wondering. Yeah, Um, (laughs) it's super cool name. You don't hear it that often or anything like that. Yeah, I've I've only met a couple of people with the name Baylor, and actually both of them were girls, and so it was kind of weird. (laughs) Yeah, but um, I'm cool with it, and I don't know why my parents named me Baylor. 
other than they met actually they met someone named Baylor oh. and they thought it was a cool name so they went for it and so then does that play into your logo then yeah, the Griffin. Okay, the, that's the, what I thought. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, like, growing up, we would always, like, see, you know, you walk past, like, city capitals and stuff that mm-hmm. have, like, some gothic architecture or whatever. I don't even know if it's gothic, but whatever it is, it'll often have, like, a, you know, a reared up, like, lion with right. wings, you know what I mean? That We always were like, it's us, you know, because <laughs> <laughs> um, our last name is Griffin, you know, and... I always get that or I get Peter Griffin. Those are the only two. It's like an ancient mythological creature. And and I knew that. And so what I did was is I just commissioned a buddy of mine and, and who I knew was just a really great artist and asked him to draw a griffin for me so I could use it as like, I don't know, seal or something that sounds like too official yeah but i just like put it on stuff some sort of representation yeah exactly instead of like writing my name i just put that right so it's kind of convenient so not everyone in my audience knows who you are we met at Corey breast christmas show we did yeah he put out a christmas record i think it was called i love spending christmas with you okay yeah and that's at least that's the title of the song that he he wrote great song um, and great record, great Christmas record. Uh, he did a really great job, but he invited me to come along and uh, play a couple of his uh, release shows that he did. I think he did like a five-show local tour. Mm-hmm. And, and so for a couple of them, he needed an opener, and he, he asked me to come along, and it was actually a ton of fun. Um, not that I was surprised or anything. I mean, <laughs> right. The guy is just, he's a blast to be around, you know, and he's so kind, very, very welcoming and, and inviting but yeah, it was great, man. And and all of his fans were super cool too, because after the show, everyone you know was happy to say hi to me, and and uh, were were really nice, and you know, so it was a, it was a good experience. Did you grow up in Ohio then? No, I did not. I grew up in Oklahoma, and then at at 18 years old, I moved to Colorado Springs, and uh, in just on a whim or sort of. I knew some people who lived there, and. There was a worship school that I wanted to go to oh, okay. in Colorado yeah. Springs. Corey Asbury was there at the time. Oh, if you know mm-hmm. who that is. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I I wanted to go there. I had some friends who were there, and and they were like, "Dude, you should do this thing." And so I was like, "Sure." And I went, and it was it was a good experience. And and while I was there, I I got plugged in to a missions organization that I ended up working for for the next five years. And that's where I met my wife. She was a missionary with that organization. She lived in the Middle East for a little while. College never entered your mind then, or you were just always (laughs) music-oriented? That's a difficult question. I mean, it's not that it didn't enter my mind. I actually, I I had plans to go to Oral Roberts University because it was local. Mm -hmm. It's in Tulsa, and it was only like 10 minutes from my house. And I was like, that makes sense. You know, just go to school down the road and... You know, that'll be fine. I was ready to go, man. I, I think if I remember right, I was already enrolled. Like it was, I was ready to go. And I just, I had these friends invite me to come to Colorado. They were like, hey man, like we think a gap year would be good for you. Like I think it'd be a good experience. I think you need it. And I did, you know, I, I, mm. I really did need some space. And, but, but I ended up taking a lot more space than I thought <laughs> and uh, was there for six years. Um, and so I never went to college. The thing is, is that now, I'm 26 and and I am thinking like, you know, if I get the time, I'd really like to maybe do online school like part-time or something just oh, so I have sure. a degree under my belt. Right. What exactly I would study, I don't really know. Maybe music. I don't know. I don't know what you can do with a music degree nowadays anyway, but 
hey, well, you have a degree, so. Yeah, I can't read music, so. Oh, that, that is true, yes. You'd probably have to <laughs> so know how to do that. make it complicated for me. Yeah, so. that is true. <laughs> hmm. You were a missionary then. Uh, yeah. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so I worked for um, a missions organization. It's no longer around. It was, it was um, a fairly new organization and ended up getting absorbed into a much bigger one. But uh, at the time, its primary focus was to send, um, to help train and send uh, young people to go to what's called the 1040 window. And so the 1040 window would be, you've got like Northern Africa, the Middle East, and oh, okay. then like Asia, Southeast Asia, right? What, what's unique about that part of the world is that that is where the majority of the countries in the world that have limited or no access to the gospel and gospel literature, mm -hmm. that's where most of those countries ex exist, Right. In other places in the world, you at least can get a Bible and not go to jail for it. You can share the gospel and not be imprisoned for it, you know. And so you have what's what would be what would be called access, right? Easy access right. to the Bible. But right. in that ten forty window, man, there's just millions and millions of people who it's much more difficult for them to get access to like Bibles and Bible literature and the churches have to be underground. That's I know that's a bit of a buzzword, but um, it's the truth, you know, the, the churches are kind of like secret societies in some ways because they have to be, they meet secretly so that the government doesn't know. And, uh, anyway, so that's the part of the world that we were focused on, um, is, is what we were really hoping to do was, uh, to help bring gospel literature and Bible training into that part of the world and, and help indigenous believers grow the church and get equipped and, help them get access to stuff that they didn't have access to before. It was wild, man. There were people in our organization that really did some crazy stuff, you know, and uh, it, was, it was a cool I, I experience. I can imagine, yeah. So you, did you actually go over there then? Yeah, plenty. So I worked for the training base that was in Colorado Springs. Okay. So when you joined our organization, we put you through a bit of a Bible school intensive. Yeah. And just to make sure that we're on the same page that like, you know, Jesus is Lord, Jesus is Christ, God is the one true God, and the Bible is his holy word. Right. Make sure we're all on the same page about that before we go before we to another in. country and right. get asked questions, you know. And so we trained a lot of young people in the word as best as we could, and that's primarily what I focused on and during my time there was, was training. And we also ran a what would be called a, a house of prayer. Okay. And so what that means is we did live worship and prayer for like 60 hours a week at its peak. And basically what that means is, is someone would get up on an instrument and sing hymns, songs, spiritual songs, and worship songs. And the people in the room would pray. And then when that person was done leading worship, the next person would come up and they would start. Mm. And it created this space where people could come in and out as they please and just worship and pray for as long as they want right. to. That's actually pretty cool. Yeah, it was great. So I helped oversee a lot of that, um, at least on the music side. And so there were tons of musicians and singers and worship leaders that were part of it. And, and, uh, but I helped, um, oversee some of, some of that. And, and, uh, we, again, man, it was a great experience. And then when did you decide to make the switch to become sort of a musician? I mean, you already were, I assume, but yeah, well, I grew up playing music. I, I grew up like singing and, and, and playing different instruments. And all along that time, I was actually on stage leading worship and playing instruments for upwards of like 20 to 40 hours a week. 
that was like essentially my full-time job, you know? And so when I say I helped out with the Bible school, I did. I did some teaching, but for the most part, I was doing that. I was I was helping facilitate right. that space, which is a pretty cool place to learn about the Bible too because pe- the, the, these students would come. They're missionaries, or at least they're about to be, mm-hmm. and they're studying the Bible in a place where worship and prayer is happening all day long. And that's, that's a pretty cool place to fall in love with God. At least that's what happened to me more than anything in that ex- getting that experience in that prayer room. It was the place where I, I fell in love with God and it was, it was a really cool, really cool time. So then, um, what brought you back to Ohio or what brought you yeah, to Ohio? Exactly. Yeah. So while I was there, I married an Ohio girl. Uh, she grew up in like, I guess like, I don't know, like closer to Cincinnati, but kind of Mm -hmm. in the middle of nowhere. And when she was a teenager, her family moved to Tip. And then she went off to college. She joined this mission organization after college. And and, uh, that's where we met. We were both in the same missions organization. And so in, in, in 2019, like middle of 2019, we really felt like the Lord was moving us on to something else. We weren't sure what yet. We had thought about moving to Indonesia. We had a lot of friends that were moving there. In fact, for a while there, we really thought that we were going there. We told a lot of our supporters that we were going Mm -hmm. there and that sort of thing. We really just didn't have peace about it at the end of the day. The fall came around and we just, it just wasn't right. We were praying about what to do. And and the only thing that really made sense that we really had peace about was coming back to Ohio where her family is. And so that's what we did. And we ended up staying. and, And by the time we got here, I think it was only one or two months later that COVID hit the news. It was like January, mm. right? When you yeah. start hearing rumors mm-hmm. of this like virus that's happening yeah. in China, which is crazy because we had just been there like three months before mm. that, right? And so then there's these rumors of this virus that's going around and then in March, everything shut down. It was, it was wild. Like we, it was really the grace of God to go home and be close to her family and then everything gets shut down. And then we get pregnant and it's just like, wow. Yeah. Looking back, there's definitely a story there. Oh, there's a story. It's, it's wild, man. Yeah. Like you, you couldn't write something it, that that's why I say my story is interesting is because I, it may not be interesting to other people, but to me, I look back and I'm, I see the hand of the Lord and mm-hmm. I'm like, man, wow. <laughs> like I couldn't have written something cooler, you know? Right. Um, so it's been, it's been a wild ride, man. And how many instruments can you play? I can play all the rock and roll instruments okay. and I can kind of dink around on some other stuff mm-hmm. too, <laughs> you know, but like, like I could, if, if I picked up a violin, I could scratch my way through it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I did in high school, you know, I played a viola in, in orchestra, but again, it was one of those things where I like, I couldn't read. And so I yeah. would go home and memorize it and then come back. Isn't that wild? I still can't get over that. Yeah. Cause <laughs> you almost like to be like, to play like, especially like that, you almost need to know how to read. You, oh yeah. You know, you, you do need to know I how mean, to read. <laughs> yeah. How I survived is a mystery. I think really my band teacher just liked me oh. and that's really what it came mm-hmm. down to. He just kind of, he took me under his wing and so, he's he very kind to me. So then did you ever play competitively? Yeah, I did a couple of percussion competitions in high school and stuff like that. And of course, like marching band every year, mm. you have those like big marching band right. competitions and did some cool stuff, man. And so you have a song out, Garment Appraise. Um, yeah. Did you write it? Did. Yep. And what was that process like? So uh, at the time I was, I was in this, I was at this house of prayer. It was in Colorado Springs, right? And, and uh, we were doing 
so, so many hours of live music. And, and when you're doing something like that, a lot of it has to be spontaneous because you can't possibly plan 40 hours of music. Mm -hmm. That's just yeah, that's kind of, yeah, too that's much, you know? And so a lot of it was spontaneous. And, and what, what that meant was is that we kind of had this community of songwriters where we were all just constantly improvising and songwriting, mm. like almost without an option. You really had to, which was great because in terms of songwriting, I really believe in like quality via quantity, mm -hmm. right? Not verses, right. but like via, yeah. right? So the more you write, the more likely you are to write something good. That's kind of my philosophy on writing. So I write a ton, but Garment of Praise specifically came out of that season. And it was, it was wild because I, I was really seeking the Lord and asking him, show me what you're saying to me, like in this season, like what, what from your word, from your scriptures, are you like, what are you saying to me right now? You know? Right. And he spoke to me, Isaiah 61, or at least I, I really, I, I really felt strongly that that's what he said. And, and, uh, and so Isaiah 61 is this crazy passage. Jesus actually quotes it in, in the book of Luke. He stands up in his hometown. He picks up Isaiah 61. He reads the first portion of it, and then he sits down, and everybody's like staring at him. And then Jesus goes, this day, this has been fulfilled in your hearing, right? And what that passage is, is, is it's the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. To summarize, he talks in that passage about he's come to preach good news to the poor. And it's all these juxtapositions. Like I'll take your mourning and I'll give you joy. Oh, mm -hmm. I'll take your ashes and I'll give you beauty. And that's, that's really like this great exchange that we have with Jesus, which is really powerful. And so garment of praise came out of me just being wrecked by that of realizing like, Oh, you have all these juxtapositions and they seem kind of obvious, right? Like right. mourning, versus joy they seem like opposites right but then you get to this one part of the passage where he says he says i'll give you the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness which is so especially at the time it was so interesting to me because i was like wait a minute so the opposite of heaviness like when you feel heavy like depressed or anxious mm -hmm. or something you feel heavy the opposite of that the bible says is praise that's really really interesting and so what I did was, is I just began to, like every morning, just praise the Lord, just like tell him like, Hey, I love you. I think you're amazing. Like, thank you for all the great things you've done in my life, you know? And I started, I would notice that when I did that, not that it's some kind of formula, but there was right, something, right. there was something about something it where about it was like, it, yeah. where it was like, Oh my gosh, like I don't feel quite as heavy. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, like right. and, and so that's what the song came out of was just this, this desire to, to sing about this exchange, like the father sent the son of God so that we, instead of mourning, could have joy and instead of ashes could have beauty and instead of heaviness could have praise, which is awesome. Wow. Yeah, that's that's crazy. So that's, I know. Sorry, that was kind of lengthy, but no, I mean, that song, there's a reason why I released it first, mm -hmm. you know, it, well, multiple reasons. I mean, a lot of people who were listening to my music back then knew that song mm -hmm. and were wanting it they were like when are you going to release Garment of Praise you know because <laughs> um, I'd played it live a bunch you know and, and it always turned into a party you oh. know? everybody would just go crazy right. you know it was fun was, but, was yeah. it hard to like arrange it a little bit because I'm, I'm kind of picky 
I'm I'm not that I'm picky. What's the word? I'm uh, I'm a tinkerer. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? And so I can tinker endlessly in the studio. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like yes. It's why it it took me so long to release one song. And I still it's a year later and I've still only released one song. It's because when Josh and I go into the studio, I just tinker and tinker and tinker and tinker and I can't quit. Yeah, I you could do that with this audio as well. You could just do yeah. endless things to it. Endless. It's like at some point you just got to release it and be like, this is what I have. And I that's what my wife enough. is for. My wife has told me <laughs> so many times, point. like, hey, I think it's done. And I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> Maybe one more thing. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Are there ever things that you write just like for fun? Yeah, I, I'm a big Tolkien fan and Tolkien likes to write comedies and, and, and funny songs and stuff like that. So most of my fun songs in that, way right now look like just goofy songs i write for my daughter who's like nine months Mm -hmm. old and she'll just like laugh at at whatever silly thing i happen to be singing um but i also write random stuff too i mean not random but like i've written many love songs to my wife Mm -hmm. and yeah is there like a certain stage that you have to get in to like be able to write sort of to me writing is, is kind of like a muscle Right. Okay. So the yeah. more you do it, the more you do it, the better. I might have like, you know, like any, any artist will tell you, you have these like random moments of inspiration and that's great. Mm-hmm. But, but if you, if you wait to write music for when you feel and like, if you wait to only write music when you feel inspired, you are never going to write anything. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah and you're never going to get good at writing anything. You know, you just have to write and you have to be content with writing a hundred bad songs. And, and what's, what's great is that the 101st song might be pretty good. You know? <laughs> and so, yeah, it's just so hard doing that. Oh, for sure. I mean. And it's vulnerable, too. Because, like, for, I have hours and hours of voice memos and demos, like, on my phone. Mm-hmm. Like, I hope no one ever steals this thing. <laughs> I think they're all on the cloud now. So maybe if someone did steal it, I'll be okay. Yeah. But it still makes me nervous. So do you ever write for a certain instrument? Yeah, I think so. I I most most of the time what I'm writing on just it just it's whatever I happen to be on. You okay. know what I mean? Yeah, right. And so there's there's a piano at my house. I mean it's it's dramatically out of tune at the moment, but there's a piano at my house. I have multiple guitars, you know, and it's kind of like if I hear a melody in my head or if I just see the instrument and I just am in the mood to play it. Who knows, you know, a song might come out, you know, but I have, I, I've done a lot of instrumental stuff too. And that's, okay, that's yeah. fun because lyrics are probably the hardest part for me. Lyrics are tough. I'm very insecure about my lyrics more than anything else. And so it, it, writing instrumentals is great because then I don't have to bear my <laughs> right, soul right, everybody, right. you know? <laughs> so like, again, okay, kind of explain this process. Like, how do you write lyrics? Like, for oh, me, whenever man. I think of this, I always, like, think of, like, rhyming, but it's not necessarily that. Rhyming, rhyming is fun if you can, but in order to get there, you kind of, you kind I just kind of word vomit, usually. I, 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 I will sit down, usually it's on my computer because I can type faster than I can write with a pencil. Oh, right, yeah. You know? I mean, I love, I, I still keep a notebook, you know, like a, like a physical mm-hmm. notebook with, like, a pencil and stuff. I still do that, but... I, I can go super say on speed on a computer because yeah. I can type pretty quick. And so I'll just word vomit. Like I will just say everything that I'm actually trying to say, not poetically. Mm-hmm. And then 
what I'll discover is like there's some pretty cool phrases in there and a couple of neat analogies and maybe if I can move this around and change a couple of the last words it might rhyme and that's that's kind of what my lyric process looks like but the final stage of my lyric process is to send it to my friends who are actual poets and be like hey does this suck oh. <laughs> <laughs> that's like yes. the final stage you know okay. and and because they'll notice things that because I don't I don't naturally can I mean my wife would probably smack me for saying this but I don't naturally consider myself a poet first. I'm, I'm a musician first. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Right. And so there's things in poetry that I might glean from, but I might not notice why it works the way that it works. And so then I'll make a mistake. That's an obvious like poetic mistake if you understand poetry. So interesting how yeah. like intricate that is. And oh, like, yeah. How like technical. Oh, it's super it technical. I mean, I've got a buddy who's he's a prolific songwriter. He lives in Colorado. His name's Luke Wood. Great guy. He's got some awesome records out there. He's a little embarrassed at the production of his old stuff, you know, but if you actually listen to the lyrics, it's crazy. Like some of the, some of the stuff that he wrote is just like, wow, you know. Usually when I'm working on lyrics, I'll send it to him, mm-hmm. and that's exactly what it's like. He's like, "Hey, I th- I think this word you're using here is like that's not proper grammar." Like, I think you need, oh, like, like, he'll correct right, my grammar, right, you know right. what I mean? Like, which is amazing because it's like, wow, okay, great. You know, I need that. For writing this song, is it hard to think of original pieces or is that something that comes to you naturally? What do you mean? So, like, if I were to sit down and write a song, I would sort of think of a favorite song that I have oh, and sure. then write something like and that. And like, it, use it like a template. Yeah. Yeah. Do you, um... No, I, I definitely do that. Okay. And it's actually kind of helpful because you can get past... Sometimes, sometimes the biggest, oh, not sometimes, all the time, the biggest barrier to your own creativity is your own mind telling you that it's not original enough. Oh. And it's like, dude, just, just yeah. stop that. You know what I mean? Like, that's such a frivolous exercise. That like, is true. The best creators in the world are actually just the best imitators. And what they do is, is they imitate something that they love and they make it their own. I think of the things that I love. The mm-hmm. things that I love to listen to, truly. And I I glean from that. I'm like, ah, this is what do I actually like about that? It, oh, maybe it's the arrangement, maybe it's that orchestral element, maybe it's the choices that they made in in the chords, or maybe it's the lyrics, you know? And try to glean from that, you know, and, and let that inspire me and not be I mean, obviously, you don't want to just steal somebody's right, song. That's not right. what I'm suggesting at all. You definitely have to write something new and make it your own. A lot, I think a lot of creative people hang themselves up to dry because they don't think that they're original enough. And it's like, I think that's missing the point. Yeah, like if you go out there and do it, then just go ahead and make it your own. Put your own twist on it. Totally. Have you watched Get Back? No. Everybody, everybody's talking about it right now, right? All the musicians are talking about it. The Beatles documentary, Get Back. Oh, okay. Yeah, so it's wild because it's like seven hours of footage of the Beatles writing songs together. And so you see some, you see their creative process and it's wild. Like it's really insightful. But what you realize is all throughout that process, what are the Beatles doing? They're, they're like, oh, this is like Eric Clapton. Oh, what if we had a keys part like so-and-so? Well, maybe they could just bring him in. And, And so that I guess I guess that that's my point, right? Is right. that like, like the Beatles are arguably the greatest rock band of all time, and what are they doing? They're sitting around discussing their favorite artists and seeing if they can make a sound that's kind of similar and make it their own. And so that's the whole point: is like 
these guys didn't let being original get in the way of being themselves. I, I hate to ask this question. It's kind of cliche. But were there any musicians that inspired you to write um, in a writing sense or musically? I grew up listening to Fleet Foxes. Do you know who that is? I do not. Okay, so they're like kind of like an indie folk band from like 2008, right? Okay. Like they had their they had their big hits kind of back then, but the guy is still making records and they're really good. Loved Fleet Foxes growing up, like middle school, high school. Um, listened to those records just absolutely endlessly. I listened to them constantly. And then the other big inspiration of mine is actually Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. And so that classic like 70s rock, like just pure Americana rock and roll sound. I just can't get over it. So those electric guitars are so cool. <laughs> <laughs> so that's those those are a couple of musicians that I think are really interesting. Uh, there's another band that I've been listening to a lot lately. It's called The National. I listened to them probably the most in like 2016, 2017, kind of that time okay. period. Mm-hmm. But they're actually from Cincinnati. Um, Yeah, they're a band from Cincinnati. They're called The National. And uh, I just think that their instrumentation is really inspiring. They do some really interesting stuff. They make some cool choices production-wise. Who should we be listening to that maybe isn't all that well-known but has really great music? Oh, that's that's such a cool question. Oh, that's kind of tough. Corey Breath. That's, <laughs> yes, That's who you should be listening to. You should be listening to Corey Breath. Um, not that many people listen to that guy. That's not true. He actually has a ton of fans. He gets a lot of listens. But in terms of like notoriety, he's you know he's not he's not making like the Billboard charts. And so right. if you're looking for a guy that's not doing that, who's actually really amazing and writing some incredible music, it's Corey Breath. And then there's another band out of uh, out of Tennessee called uh, Colony House. Um, okay, I think I've heard of them. Yeah, so they they toured with like they uh, Switchfoot for a little while. Oh, yes. Um It's actually Stephen Curtis Chapman's yes, kids. Yes. Yeah, okay, you got yeah, it. I'm, and yeah, so I yep. feel like I feel like they're still not as well known as they should be. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like again, another band that's just making productions decisions especially for artists who are clearly believers. They're making production decisions that are so interesting, like their instrumentation, the textures that they're using, absolutely incredible stuff. How do you think your music style has evolved since you started playing? Um, growing up, I, well, I, I, I grew up in church playing drums and mostly like old school gospel tunes, you know, mm-hmm. and so fast beats, you know, the, that that kind of gospel groove that's what I grew up playing you know yeah and so I, I like that I have that as my foundation because I really I, I feel like I have a pretty decent sense of rhythm but in terms of like the evolution of my sound I've gotten more comfortable with like other instruments that aren't drums you know and and not leaning on a beat you know because for me yeah being a drummer first Whenever I'm writing a song, it's very natural for me to be thinking about what the beat of this song is going to sound like, like 30 seconds in. And that's way too soon right. sometimes. Can you explain what is like the beat of a drum? Because it isn't like something specific. Yeah. So mostly what I mean is like is is you've got, you know, your your kick, your snare. That's going to give you kind of like. Right. Yeah. That's your beat. And so what I'm getting at is, is whenever I'm writing a song, 
I very, especially for like an indie, like folk rock and roll artist that I kind of like end up being, it's pretty weird that I think about the beat so quickly. Like most artists are like, I should really think about the lyrics before I start thinking about what the drums are going to sound like. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Um, at least that's my perception. I don't know if that's true or not, but um, how my sound has evolved is it's gone from like, I'll usually like produce a whole thing first beats everything it's ready to go and then i'll think oh i guess i should write like a melody maybe put words to it and maybe yeah and so how my how my sound has evolved is it's kind of that's kind of been turned on its head to where now i'm in the shower and a melody pops in or like a cool chord progression mm -hmm. comes to mind and i'm like huh like i wonder if i can do something with that and so my whole writing process has kind of been like deconstructed and put back together which is fun what is it about music that you think makes us feel a certain way when we hear it? I think it's, I know that this is probably the cop-out answer, but I really do think it's how God made us. Like, you know, we talk about people who are good at making music and good people who are good at making us laugh and people who are good at, you know what I mean? So you've got musicians and comedians and people who are good educators, so they're good teachers. And it's like, where do you think that, that came from, man? Like, you, you, you don't think that God is a comedian. You don't think that God is a really, really good musician. You don't think that God is a really, really good teacher and communicator. Like, come on. And so to me, I think when you're listening to music, there's something about it that like, it's the way the Lord wired your brain. For some reason, he thought that it was a good idea to cause your brain to react to sound emotionally. And that is so wild to think about. It's a great mystery, you know, but I really do think that, and that's because I'm a Christian and I, I, I obviously right. my worldview is going to be, you know, very much through that lens. But I really do think that that's the case. I really think that God is the inventor of all things and that includes music. And so that means if music is good and makes us feel something, it's because he thinks it's good and it makes him feel something. And that's something to think about. I will say, like, sometimes that's where, like, I feel like I meet God, like, the most. Because I was, and I don't know, maybe you can also speak to this as well, but I feel like if you learn how to play music, there's something that you can acquire or feel totally on a such a deeper level than if you yeah. hadn't or don't know how to play. Yeah. And I don't know. I feel like sometimes that's where I've met God the most is like when I'm playing totally. something that I just, I can feel every single part of that piece of music. 100%. It's crazy. It's the weirdest feeling. It's funny that you mentioned that too, because I just like last week had someone ask me if I would give their child guitar lessons. And uh, what I, what I essentially told them was like, okay, like, like I've given guitar lessons in the past. Mm -hmm. If what you're wanting from a guitar teacher is someone <laughs> who can teach them how to read music, right, or really get into complex music theory, music theory, I I can get far with them in terms of music theory, but that's not that's not what my lessons are going to be like. Like if you want to have me as a guitar teacher, my goal, my express goal, actually, my entire goal, is to help a music student fall in love with playing their instrument because if they can do that 
regardless of the if they ever use it professionally or mm-hmm. in their church, like that doesn't matter. What does matter is that now they have this skill, they have this thing that connects them with God and connects them with their family that is so unique and that you can't take away from them, right? Like even in their old age, like people with Alzheimer's, dude, still remember songs that they were singing when they were teenagers. It's so weird how like powerful it is. That's crazy, it's, right? It's a, that is the power of music. And for whatever reason, that's how God designed us. And so whenever I'm teaching a 10-year-old how to play guitar, again, I'm pretty forward thinking. I'm sitting there thinking one day, like this kid is going to be 60 years old and I'm going to be dead and they're going to have kids and they're going to have grandkids and they're all going to gather around. And this kid is learning songs today that 50 years from now, they are going to play for their grandkids to entertain them. And that you can't replace that. You know what I mean? There's so few things like that. You just can't replace it. That's why I would bother to give lessons. (laughs) You know what I mean? Yeah. And so that's, you know, for people to discover that like deeper. um, Yeah. And, and to be able to carry that with them. What new skills have you picked up since going on this journey? I feel like I know computers pretty well. (laughs) You know what I mean? Yes. Like you kind of have to now. Right. You know, because everybody can make a record in their basement. Now, whether or not it sounds any good is another matter, but that's kind of subjective anyway, so who cares? I, I never saw myself as, as being like a computer guy. When you start producing music on your computer, like on your own, like you have to learn so much about software and like coding and like all this crazy stuff that you're like, I never thought in a million years I would be like dinky little me playing on the piano right. would be like putting a computer together custom that could keep up with my plugins. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> like that's, I just never thought in a million years. That's the cool thing about music is that it, it drags you into a bunch of things that you don't see coming. Like when you play music live, you kind of have to learn how, how to entertain a crowd beyond just strumming your instrument if you want to do it. Wait, I was actually going to ask you about that. Stage yeah. presence is big for a musician. It is. Did you have to learn that? Is that I something did. that kind of, okay. I mean, it helps that I was a pastor's kid. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm, what I right. mean by that is that I was helping out on stage at church my whole life. And so it ge- it still gives me a ton of anxiety. I at least have learned how to like carry myself on a stage in a way that like is not distracting at minimum, hopefully, (laughs) you know what I mean? And so, but yeah, you would be surprised. I have brought up comedy a couple of times too. You know, you'd be surprised like the benefit of watching comedians. I mean, it's art, dude, Mm -hmm. what these guys do like and how they work a crowd. And if you just study that a little bit, then like your stage presence might go from like, uh, uh, at least mine did. I feel like my stage presence went from like a 2.5 to like a 3, hopefully. Three, yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> Where it's Getting like, up there, yeah. I watched enough comedians that I at least know like hopefully what to do. to yeah, do. Like what right. to do with my hands. You know okay. what I mean? Yeah. Unless I just want to look goofy, <laughs> right? Like, so there and you go. So um, do you play events then? I try to, you know, uh, COVID, it, it's kind of hard and it just, kind of depends, but things are like slowly picking back up. You know what I mean? I'm hoping that this year I can, I can do a couple of shows, hopefully. Right. We'll see. Um, can you share with us what you have coming in 2022? Oh yeah. Uh, if I can quit tinkering, we're finishing up a single called it's all right. 
I'm hoping to release it in February. I don't have an official date yet, so sorry about that. Um, hoping to release it like end of February. And if any of my like real like fans who've been following me for a while are listening to this podcast, they're probably laughing right now because I was like, <laughs> I'll release it in August. I'll release oh, it wow. in November. Okay. I'll release you know what I mean? it. Just keeps moving. But I promise, I promise, I promise. February. Um, but yeah, hold you to it. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> but what's cool is, is, is we're finishing that up and it, we're releasing it in February. And, uh, what's really exciting is we're turning right around and going back into the studio in March and laying down tracking, uh, for a full length record. I, I've got, I think like 11 or 12 songs that are ready and, oh, wow. uh, we just need to track them and, and get it all mixed and ready to go. Like I said, I'm a tinkerer. So, you know, I have no idea how long that's going to take hoping uh to get it out hopefully by like summer would be ideal okay so not like next year then no it'll, okay, be, it'll okay. be this year yeah yeah we, so again we, we are gonna hold you to that it is go. gonna be this year um, <laughs> yeah no i've said it in public now so now i actually yes, really have to do right. it <laughs> um okay so we're drawing to the end of the show two more questions do you have any podcasts that you recommend oh that's hard any podcast this one i recommend this podcast man so many I think uh, one of my, I'll recommend this one, a very interesting podcast to me, which is pretty well known, I guess. Um, I found it extremely interesting was Malcolm Gladwell has a podcast called Revisionist History. It's very interesting. So essentially what he does is, is he, he takes a look at events or time periods or people in time who have been overlooked or in his view to some degree misunderstood. And he kind of digs into it and so if you're into history and uh events over the course of time that kind of led us to where we are today then that's a cool podcast yeah that would be really interesting to learn about all of that and for the final question when someone listens to your music or hears you sing what do you want them to walk away with what i really want is two things i i hope that when you listen to the things that i create I hope that you feel closer to God and I hope that you feel closer to the people that you love. And those are, those are, those are my two things, you know what I mean? And I know that that's kind of, that might be perceived as cliche, I guess, but those, those are the things that are most important to me is that like, Hey, if, if a song can help you feel closer to God, if a song can help you feel closer to the people that you love in your life, then that's that's good enough for me. Yeah. I like that a lot. All right. Well, I think we're going to end it here. Thank you so much for sitting down with me. Yeah. Thanks, Brett. Appreciate you, man. Huge thanks to Baylor. Such a wonderful guy. Had so much fun creating this conversation. I have all of his socials linked in the description. I'll also have Colony House and Corey Bress linked there as well. Make sure to go check out the Goon Brothers. All of their socials can be found down below. Make sure to follow The Shower Show on Instagram or contact me at theshowershow at gmail.com. Well, I believe that's all I have for you today. Have a wonderful rest of your day, and I'll see you back here again soon.